founded June Group back in 2005. You got to stick with it to be successful. It takes a lot of discipline, again, to make these things work. He is really the epitome of the slow hustle, the slow, profitable hustle. Now, 75 employees. They passed a million bucks in ad spend processed in 2008. Uh, now, obviously, 2017, like I said, 75 employees. They've been growing 10 to 20, 25% year over year. They make money by taking kind of a, a cut or a cost per engagement. They're driving for their brands through, through to their publishers. 28 million bucks recently from a private equity firm and really figured out how to leverage mezzanine debt, which is obviously a great uh, piece of leverage to use. This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you want to get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer accounts, margins, and many, many other data metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing, though. This that database, I keep it to myself. It's so freaking valuable. And to preserve the quality of the data and make sure that the people that have access to it have a true advantage, I'm only letting 10 companies on each month. So we're full this month, but you can go to getlatka.com to get on the waiting list for next month. And look, there's big people on the waiting list. I mean, the biggest VCs you've ever heard of. You've probably heard of them. They're big, private equity, billions and billions under management. So it's an impressive waiting list. Go get on now at getlatka.com. This is episode 786. Coming up tomorrow morning, Ayal Herzog joins us. He launched Bancor Network, one of the world's top ICOs with over $163 million raised. So how'd he do it? And where does he think the crypto world and Bitcoin and Ethereum are going? Well, tune in to find out. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Mitchell Reitgut. He's the CEO and co-founder of June Group. Now, prior to founding June Group in 2005, he led Bates Interactive, the online unit of Bates Worldwide Advertising, now owned by WPP. You know, those are one of the big guys. As general manager and creative director, he, he helped grow Bates Interactive into a 70-person integrated unit with clients such as EDS, Warner Lambert, and many, many others. Before joining Bates, Mitchell served as creative director at Think New Ideas. He began his career at as art director at Gray Advertising, where he created print and television advertisements for clients. Throughout his career, he's worked with major brands across industries, including Procter & Gamble, Parker Brothers, Budweiser, Rockport, Reebok, and Sony. Mitchell, are you ready to take us to the top? Ready to roll. All right, so you have free Budweiser for all of us, right? That's Absolutely. How, that's, that's how it works. In the contract that you and I signed. <laughs> that was the bribe. All right. Yeah. Tell us tell us what June Group does. We got some of your background. What's June uh, sorry, June Group do and uh, and how do you make money? What's your what's your revenue model? So the name of the company, JUN, means truth. And I founded it, as you, you noted many moons ago, out of my house with this idea that advertising could be transparent and honest and actually deliver tangible results. So our job is to get millions of people to engage with video and visit websites from Fortune 500 brands. So today we have about 75 people uh, across four different cities in the US. And we work with a, a number of big household brands, connecting them in a really uh, simple, honest way with the people that they want to reach. And, and so give me an example, right? So your website, I'm just read this off right our ad platform is the honest efficient way to get millions of people to engage with video and branded content what does that mean so what it means is if if you're a major brand let's say you're a, a brand of spaghetti tell us a real, sauce yeah or, tell us a real example 
Okay, so so you're a household name, a, a brand of spaghetti sauce, let's say, and you want to reach Hispanic moms, um, 35 and up, uh, in different sections of the United States. You have a video. You come to us. We will connect you with those people on their mobile devices, on tablets, and on desktops. Um, so they will engage with the video. You'll be able to track everything, see exactly who it is, and we don't ever interrupt the, uh, your audience. They get to opt in in exchange for points in a game or access to content or other rewards. So is this like when I'm going to go watch, you know, you know, Survivor on on Hulu or or wherever it's being syndicated at the beginning? It says you can choose to get ads throughout your episode or do a 60 second interactive one right now. Click click to engage. Like, is that you? Yeah, it's kind of like that, except we're in apps because 90% of the time that all of us spend in a mobile device is in an app. And most of those apps are games. So if you're playing a game, we're never going to put a pop-up or interrupt you. Even that example that you gave is quasi-interruptive. You want to power up, or if you're in a, an app like Viggle and you want to watch something like Modern Family, you know where to go. You can spend time with the brand, get the thing you want, and then move on. Okay, so I'm on your website. You have publisher partners and then clients. So a client might, might be Fanta or Allstate, the insurance group. A publisher partner might be Bravo or GQ or NBC. Uh, where, how do you make money? I assume there's some transaction fee or percentage or a cut or something. No, we do this for free because we really just like... Uh, Bullshit! <laughs> <laughs> we charge, you know, most of our industry is what's called a CPM, a cost per thousand. So it's very old style advertising where um, millions of people see and, and you charge for the impressions. We're a little bit more advanced than that. We only charge when somebody chooses to engage and the client actually gets the value that they're paying for. So sometimes they'll buy on a completed view. So it'll be a CPCV, cost per completed view, or sometimes just a, a view initiation because most people watch to the end anyway. We also get people to share and like and, and visit brands' websites. And June, so is it, is it is a initial kind of activation, like they watch for three seconds and a completed view is the whole video? Yeah, exactly. And the great thing about when you don't interrupt people is they tend to watch to the end. So we get 90 some odd percent of people watching to the end of a 30 second spot and three to 5% of those people visiting the brand's website or taking a social action afterwards, which is stellar. Okay, interesting. So, so I, I want to try and actually get a real example of this. So, like Chips Ahoy is one of your one of your clients. Now, I don't know if you can talk about them or not. We'll switch to a different one if you can't. But like, I mean, are we talking? Let's say you take Chips Ahoy, you put them on Food Network, right? And it's the Food Network. I think you just said you only work in mobile apps, so it's the Food Network mobile app. You're putting Chips Ahoy in there. Uh, Chips Ahoy is paying on a cost per completed view, right, of some 30 second ad that Chips Ahoy has created or that the Food Network has created. Well, so let's move it from the Food Network and bring to an app so it's a game okay. you know it's it's a crossy road style game or um, you know it could be there's a comic book ad called tapas where you can access free comic books um, by by engaging with a brand so that's more likely where they're going to be and when somebody decides to, to opt in we can even ask them a question we can say are you in the market to buy a car or you know for a food brand do you speak Spanish in the home or do you have kids and if the but answer how does is that yes, show itself June like how does if you're in that if you're in that app how does that, like, I imagine it's not just a pop-up that says, hey, you know, random person in the app, are you a Spanish-speaking mother, a house of five in Florida? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not a pop-up. Well, the neat thing is that each of our app integrations, we give them the power to create the interaction the way that they think is best. So if you're a user of Tapas, you know that app and you know where to go to earn your, your free access. I see. And, you know, because unlike in, in a web kind of environment, 
app developers pay seven or eight dollars just for every single user that downloads that app. So they're precious. Yeah, so cost per install. We never have a pop up. We never interrupt. And each publisher knows their audience best, and they know how to talk to them and how to engage them. Okay. So now, are you? Is your job to basically funnel the spend properly, or do you actually have a software platform that allows your publishing partners to figure out, like, hey, you have these ten different modules to use to present the ad? Yeah, it's a it's a really sophisticated tech platform that works super well for the app developer because they're taking a big chance. You know, apps are complex business. They have to take what's called an SDK, that's our technology, put it in their app, and then resubmit it to Google and to Apple for approval, and then have everybody update. And if we make a mistake, it, you can't just pull it back. Yep. So it's a really sophisticated piece of software that empowers them to get their users to engage when they're ready. Okay, have you bootstrapped or raised capital? We bootstrapped this thing all the way until 2015 when we finally uh, did a, not a, a VC deal, but a private equity deal with a company called Halyard Capital. Yep. And that was the first, uh, you know, after we were a big mature company, um, the first financial deal we ever did. Very and proud of our independence. How much did you raise? 28 million. Okay. And why did you, so there was something where you said, okay, now's the time to raise. So why did you decide to raise after being bootstrapped for almost 10 years? You know, it was an interesting thing because we finally met a partner that we really wanted to be in business with. Um, I, I mentioned private equity is a very different kind of a thing. We were highly profitable. We had a lot of money in the bank. We were expanding well. We did not need capital to grow. What we wanted was a partner to really help us expand our business in a way that we hadn't before. Um, we'd never had a board of directors, never had a board of advisors, been drinking our own Kool-Aid, so to speak, for many years. This enabled us to sort of come to the table with our major holding company clients with an institution next to us and say, okay, we're ready for bigger deals now. We're ready um, to, to move to the next level. You said high profit margins, like, for, you know, a, a good cash in the bank. I mean, what, what is high profit margin in your industry? What were you taking to the bottom line? Well, I'm not going to disclose that to all your users right here, but I can say that growing a profitable business in ad tech is somewhat unique, and it takes a lot of hard work. So we have to, you know, there are three constituents here. We have our clients, um, the brands that pay us, and we have to deliver a great value for them. We also have to deliver great value for the app publishers that are running, and then we also have to take care of uh, millions and millions of consumers who come through our platform all the time. Mm -hmm. So when you do that correctly, there's, there's enough profit for everybody. Well, what does an average ad agency take to the bottom line? Like 10%, 5%, 20%? Well, we're really not an ad agency. We're an ad tech platform. Sorry, ad and tech platform. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, frankly, most of them lose money. Um, you know, and you'll, you're reading a lot of layoffs and, and stuff in ad tech. That's because a lot of them signed up with a venture capital fund, uh, wanted to grow really fast and sell it. And so mm -hmm. there was never profit built into that. It was much more about growth. For us, I can share with you that we We've been growing 10, 20, 15% over the past several years profitably. So it's a nice, slow, steady curve. We're just disciplined business people. Um, and, and we have been able to grow this business in a profitable way because of that. And what is the, so, so just to be clear, the way you make money is from the actual spend, right? There's not an ad tech kind of SaaS play here where you're charging publishers, you know, a thousand bucks a month to access your SDK, is it? No, our, our um, dollars come from commitments from brands and their media buying partners. Some of them are per project. Some of them are annual upfront commitments. Okay, so if I if I say yes, I want to use you. I want to put a million dollars through you. What percentage?
percentage of that do you take typically on average? I imagine it's different for every partner. Well, it's interesting that you're asking that in a different way, um, but I, I'm really not able to answer specific financial questions like that. We do take a well. Just to be clear, I'm just Mitchell. I'm just curious how like uh, how you're actually like making money. So you're you're taking a cut from that million, and is it like a flat rate no matter what the the outcome is that you drive in terms of cost per completed view, or is it is it is it broken down by how successful or cheap your cost per completed view is? Like, give us some more insight there. Yeah, no, it's a great question. So the pricing model will vary a little bit depending on what the ask is, because it's much. For instance, if an auto company came to us and said they really want to reach only high-end consumers in certain demographic areas with household income 200k and above, that's a more expensive ask. So our price is going to be higher. We're going to be tossing out lots of people who want to view the ad but aren't correct. So a, a less expensive play would be, you know, the spaghetti sauce example where what is buys Mitchell it. though? What is expensive though? That's what I'm trying to get. It's like eight, like eight bucks per what or ten bucks per like what is expensive? I have no context. Well, a CPM, a cost per thousand in this industry, could be eight dollars, twelve dollars, twenty dollars. We're we're going to charge a cost per engagement, which is a little more than that because it's an actual consumer who's taking their interest. Okay, so so would you say twenty bucks and higher kind of CPM is a high is on the high range, and anything under ten bucks is low. I would say in the industry, a $20 CPM is a premium high CPM. Okay. And we tend to be a little higher than those CPMs because it's an it's engagement. engagement. Yeah, okay, good. That's helpful. Um, okay, so 2005, uh, year, year number one, get, get me in your brain that first year. What were you doing before that? Had you just quit corporate and said, screw this, I'm going to go do my own thing because you hated <laughs> your boss? Like, where were you at in life? I love my boss, but I did not like my job after a while. Uh, when I was running, you, you mentioned Bates Interactive. I actually left in 2001 and started this out of my house right then and it was four years of sort of scrapping and scraping and deciding what I wanted to be. I had never planned on being an entrepreneur. It kind of happened to me by accident. So I left my big corporate job where I was running a huge department and and just started from nothing mm -hmm. and decided after a couple of years that I really liked it and then it took me a while to figure out what I wanted it to be because I had come from the advertising world. I was an art director, a copywriter um, and then I built websites. Now I wanted to do something different and this was when ad tech was really starting, I met my now partner, Corey, who was consulting for Sony at the time, and he and I uh, built this nation platform to distribute video, and it took off from there. In 2005, this is probably an embarrassing number, what was your kind of total media spend processed? Oh my God. Well, it, by 2000, I'll tell you this, by like 2008 or 2009, we're in the multiple millions of dollars. Before that, it was less. When did you so, hit, when did you hit, when did you hit though that magical mark? Was it 2008 when you passed a yeah, million? it was like 2007, 2008, we're, we're like a million, two million in revenue. <laughs> That's great. Well, hold on. In revenue? Cause you're not, you're not, or, or in total ad spend processed. That's an, well, this isn't really, um, it, it's not the kind of business where we're going to take in $50 million and pass it through. So that's, that's a, a top line number for us. A million dollars back in 2007 or whatever was, was all the revenue that was coming into the company and our profits would fall out of that. Okay, again, I, uh, that didn't answer my question. It's just because I'm ignorant, right? So, so you said earlier you make money because you charge more than you know on a highly targeted thing. You make more than twenty dollars CPM, right? So that million that you just articulated is that all the little twenty dollars popping out, or is that like a brand like Chips Ahoy saying we're gonna put a million bucks through you and then you're taking a percentage of the million? 
Yeah, it's the latter. So Got back, it. back then they're saying, here's 20K, here's 50K, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. here's 5K, and you build a million dollars scratching around with, with that kind of stuff. Well, heck, t- t- 2008 is a, is a hell of a time to pass the million dollar media spend mark. Um, that was a tough year. Well, so, so when, I mean, when did you break a million in terms of what you, you guys actually made from the media spend you were processing? That's probably an important number. Yeah, I don't even have that handy because I'll tell you what, we did not take home a lot of money personally. We kept putting it back into the business so that we could grow it and grow it and grow it. Mm-hmm. And back then, cash flow management was really something we had to be stringent about. Um, I should mention that we had a wonderful partner in those years or shortly after there called WTI, Western Technology Investment, um, that we did a, a round of mezzanine debt. And that really helped us get through the early years and ramp up. So How much was that for? How much debt did you take? Oh, gosh, I don't even remember. We did a couple of deals with them, uh, okay. but it was an enormous help. And and something that a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about, debt is wonderful. Um, you know, it's kind of like going to Chase Bank, and except you're not putting your house on the line. They're going to charge you a little bit more interest, but they, they get into your business and they think it's a good bet because they know the industry. And we've been partners with them ever since, and they're, they're just wonderful guys. Are we talk- I'm curious, though, how, how much you leverage this. I mean, are we talking hundreds of thousands or millions? Uh, it was millions. Okay, in mes debt. Great, interesting. Um, okay, good. So, okay, so 2005, you're like, you know, tinkering around, trying to figure out the model. 2006, 2007, you're getting five, 10,000 little things. 2008, you know, they're starting to be like 20, 30, 50,000 kind of jobs. You pass a million bucks kind of in top line ad spend. You're slowly growing, right? So mm-hmm. you then decide, by the way, I mean, I assume you're clearly doing way more than a million dollars per year now. A little more, yeah. Yeah, with, yeah. <laughs> with, with, with what you've raised. Um, are you, have you disclosed that number, what you're spending in terms of media spend through your system? No, we haven't. Um, but you can imagine with, with 75 coming probably pretty close to 80 people this year, it's, it's significantly higher. And you're still um, profitable? You're cash flow positive? Absolutely. Even yes. with 28 million raised? Yes. Interesting. And, you know, remember that that raise isn't like, you know, it, it. I guess some of the press called it a Series A, but it really wasn't your typical Series A. Again, we're a profitable company already well on our path. So it was much more about the partnership and the function than, yeah. than using well, the money. To well, I mean, Mitchell, I asked that because what, what it means is if, if you're still profitable, even at your there's still dollars hitting the bottom line, even with an additional infusion of 28 million bucks in cash, you're basically yeah. telling me you have 28 million bucks parked in a bank account, not doing anything. But what you valued from that deal was a strategic partnership. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And Very cool. That's a good spot to be in. It is. Stakes on you next time I'm in New York. You bet. With your publisher, too. Okay, Top Tribe, I have to tell you, many people go, Nathan, you came out of nowhere. Your website's growing so fast. How'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator. I don't know if you guys know that, but I use HostGator. And the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin. And guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan, you can sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45-day money-back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? My favorite business book is anything written about marketing. Um, It's hard even to pick a favorite. Seth Godin, anything. I'll I'll say that's my favorite business author. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying currently? 
Yes, uh, I constantly, you know, and, and he's not a current CEO, but I'm a devout fan of Jack Welch yeah. and read everything by him. Number three, what's your favorite online tool like Acuity Scheduling? Uh, you know what? My favorite online tool is Google Calendar. I would be lost without it. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Five. That's pretty good. And what's your situation? Married, single, do you have kids? Married, two kids, two wow. boys. How, how young is the youngest? 17. Oh, wow. Okay, good. So you're not in the like, I'm getting no sleep, like feed them in the middle of the night <laughs> stage. You're past that. I'm getting the no sleep. I have to take them to sporting events. <laughs> All right. And how old are you? I am 51. All right. Last question, Mitchell. Take us back 31 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, I wish my 21-year-old self knew the kind of discipline and um, rigor that it takes to be successful because it took me a long time to learn that you really have to stick with something that you love to make it happen. There you guys have it from Mitchell founded June Group back in 2005. You got to stick with it to be successful. It takes a lot of discipline, again, to make these things work. He is really the epitome of the slow hustle, the slow, profitable hustle. Now, 75 employees. They passed a million bucks in ad spend processed in 2008. Uh, now, obviously, 2017, like I said, 75 employees. They've been growing 10 to 20, 25% year over year. They make money by taking kind of a, a cut or a cost per engagement. They're driving for their brands through, through to their publishers. 28 million bucks recently from a private equity firm and really figured out how to leverage mezzanine debt, which is obviously a great uh, piece of leverage to use. Mitchell, thank you so much for taking us to the top. A pleasure, sir. If you enjoyed Mitchell today, go back and listen to Evan yesterday. He makes over 500000 from his course on Udemy helping you code. So how can you make that much money on Udemy as well? Well, tune in to find out.